The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as Sue Martin joins us with Ag and Investment out of Webster City, Iowa. It is just kind of a Monday doldrum. Everybody I've talked to, I mean, Sue, they're, they're ready to get in the fields. They're wanting to get work done and they sit and all they can do is watch the markets. But at least we had some green on the screen to make it a little bit easier for them today. Well, that's exactly right. Um, you know, the soybeans, I think it, to some, it kind of keeps surprising them that beans can bounce like they are. But uh, especially when we're looking at much greater oat crop stocks than what anyone thought. And tomorrow, on Tuesday, we'll have the uh, uh, monthly supply demand report where we get a chance to look at Argentine uh, production, Brazilian production, global supplies, and then along with uh, what our uh, uh, ending carry is, and it's expected that the ending carry is going to increase, which is only natural for the old crop. But as you go from old crop to new crop, things are going to tighten, mainly because of the lower acres that we have infused into these reports. Now, that said, um, I think that uh, traders are uh, very much um, realizing that the tariff talk, you know, it's given us our volatility, and we know that uh, because of the tariff talk and the tariffs that President Trump put on and then the tariffs that China talked about putting back on U.S. beans up to 25%, has everyone feeling like, oh, good, you know, in Brazil, coming right through harvest, they're like 77% harvested. Mato Grosso is the largest producing state, and it's already harvested. And so their prices are lifting and doing quite well. And in the meantime, overnight, Chinese prices were up 42.5 cents, which supported our market. But it was because they're looking at less beans coming in, putting more emphasis on their own beans. Their government last week told farmers, especially in the northeastern part of the country where a lot of corn is, especially the corn supplies, that they would subsidize the bean farmer more than they would subsidize the corn farmer. So between the uh, price hikes in uh, China and the government saying we're going to subsidize you, it's allowing for to entice the farmer to plant those acres to beans. It's allowing for the markets to run, and then, of course, it's dragging U.S. beans along with because we will look cheaper and the other global buyers that need to buy will end up coming to us because supplies are tightening in South America. Uruguay's had horrible weather this year, and they're, although you don't hear much about it, and so they're not going to have big supplies to export. Argentina, we know, doesn't have the big supplies to export, and the world's largest supply of stocks in soybeans happens to be in Argentina. And then Brazil, you know, we know their production's coming up, but their demand's been ramping up. So it, it's, um, I think, a little supportive under the under the market here, but that doesn't mean, you know, I think we put a high in here today. We sit back down going into this report tomorrow, and then we'll recharge ourselves or reset ourselves as we go into next week. Well, you know, we do have coming out later this afternoon, um, the second week of the USDA uh, reports, and looking at it, no surprise. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more issues with the wheat market, but this wheat market just continues to trade higher. Weather, slow progress on getting the, the with the cold weather, just seems to be a lot of factors, Sue, that are coming in well, on this. 
I think so too. And I think the the uh, wheat rallied nicely today. One because of the fact that you have forecasts of further dryness for the hard red winter wheat. You had the potentially freezing uh, temperatures over the weekend that may have caused damage. Probably not so much in Kansas as much as maybe parts of Oklahoma and Texas. And of course, especially if it's irrigated wheat. And then, um, he, and of course, the report this afternoon, the conditions ratings uh, will show us how much is jointed in uh, those states and, you know, what the the status is for those crops, what's tillering, what's um, heading out, that sort of thing. So I think that, uh, and that'll give us an idea. Now, this report, I don't think will truly show the picture of what's happened here over the weekend. So that'll probably come here in next week's report. But that certainly gave support to this market. And then you have uh, the forecast for the spring wheat acres, the hard uh, spring wheat acres, and uh, calling for cool weather or cold weather and wet weather into across the Dakotas, um, Michigan, Wisconsin, um, those states, and Minnesota, meaning that there's a potential we lose acres in, in the hard red spring just because they can't get it in. Is there going to be, I mean, I know that globally as we look at the trade, they've got some warm weather in the Black Sea region. As we look at the struggles that we have here, how much is it going to be factored in to the possible abundance for this crop as we hit the, you know, the harvest for the winter wheat and then obviously into the spring wheat growth? Well, I think that uh, when we look at Russia, for example, uh, we know that um, if they were to turn warmer and drier, and stay warmer and drier right into the latter part of uh, June, you could have a market that could just get ignited and set on fire. Um, Russia's uh, exports dropped for the first week uh, in the past week in, geez, I think months. And so that's the first time there's been a hint of a setback. Um, they've had aggressive, you know, no doubt, aggressive uh, export pace. And so, you know, they basically have been able to uh, have the opportunity to glean that market share. Um, probably one thing I would say that we need to kind of keep an eye on is if the um, uh, Australian crop, you know, continues to come on with some decent weather, then we might start looking at some, you know, better, uh, what I want to say, competition from them. Usually they're a little more competitive against us. But the bottom line is we are really downsizing the global supplies of wheat and, um, you know, basically corn and beans as well as we go towards 2018-19. Well, stick around, folks. More of the final bell up after this. Back to the Fontenelle final bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sue Martin joining us with Ag and Investment out of Webster City, Iowa. Well, before we went to break, we were kind of talking about what's been happening in in this wheat market. And I'm wondering, and you did kind of, touch on it in the first half, Sue, is because it's been so cold, it's been so dry in some areas, over wet in others, it just seems like Mother Nature's got a hold on any sort of plants you're getting in the field. Does that make you guys nervous to see more of those acre switches, especially like the Dakotas, for example, with the wheat well, maybe going to soybeans? I think so. I think the later that it gets, although the bean market seems oblivious to that right now, I think that's a very realistic uh, thought that those uh, wheat acres could make a switch over to the soybeans because I doubt very much that they'll switch to corn. So, you know, I look at uh, the wheat, and, of course, this is added fuel to the Minneapolis wheat as well. 
Now, we did reach for the KC our first resistance levels here today for the month of April on the May KC. And so we might hesitate a little bit, but to be honest with you, I think that this is a market that as we pull back, well, let's put it this way, if we close higher at the end of April without taking out the highs of March, that's not a negative sign. That's a very positive sign. It may very well set this market back in motion. You know, last year everybody's remembering the Minneapolis wheat, how it just rocked and rolled. Uh, but, you know, I think this market is still a little early, but I think we could be looking at something in this wheat market that's still stronger than what we've got. And, of course, that's that's a crop we got to keep the patience with because many of it hasn't left dormancy yet. You never know what it's going to be throwing at it once it starts to really warm up. Exactly. Over if it ever does. <laughs> yeah, no kidding there. Well, let's go over to the livestock side, and that's kind of where I want to start because this weather has been so inconducive to, to growth um, in the feedlots. Is that cause for any concerns in the marketings? I know we had some triple-digit gains early on, but they didn't seem to last in the feeder cattle. No, they didn't. And I think that, um, you know, I would have preferred to have seen the cattle market start off lower, not able to go anywhere, and then go up and close the day firm. But I think what happened is we caught a lot of spreading also between cattle and hogs. About the time the cattle started to soften, the hogs started getting stronger. And at one time, we had June hogs up around a limit up, 300 points higher. So, And then the feeders and the fats just continuously just declined. So today's first notice day for delivery. There aren't going to be deliveries because we're discount to the cash by, you know, anywhere's of, I want to say, up to $6. So, the, you know, there's no deliveries probably going to be seen just yet. So, you know, but the market still is trying to prove itself. Still, there is the potential that we may have set an early summer low already. We just, you know, we might move up come back, take a look at it, and then start to move away. There's been similar years where we have done something like that. Are we going to continue to see the struggles uh, on the cash side? I mean, you talked about setting a new low um, possibly for summer, but it just seems like the activity isn't there in the cash like we normally would see post-Easter. Well, I think part of it is the, um, you know, when you look at the holding premium to the futures, especially to the second month out, when you look at cash at 118 last week on the low side, 120 on the high side. You know, you're talking a spread between our uh, futures of June at 102.50. So you're looking at basically about a $16.5 spread or a $16 spread. You know, um, that's still pretty wide. And I think that when we look at this cattle market, um, looking ahead, you know, exports have been excellent on beef. February exports for, for meat was phenomenal. You know, so I look at that, and another thing we need to watch is beef exports to, like, Taiwan, South Korea, countries that aren't normally ones that take an awful lot, even though they have picked up on imports here back in February, and Japan sort of set backwards a little bit. It's still, I think that's something we got to keep our eyes on, because it could be that we're sending meat into China anyway, via transshipping. But Hong Kong isn't in this uh, uh, tariff situation, and that's where a lot of our beef does go. I think something that is hurting us, though, is this continued cold weather and, you know, the Northeast, still very cold and damp as well. 
just doesn't give us that nice start to a grilling season like we had a year ago. You know, and it's funny you mentioned that. I had a producer that posted a picture last week and showed his grill on on the date of Friday, which was, what, the 6th? And he was mm-hmm. grilling, showed the date of Friday at the 6th, I mean, of this year. And he had almost um, four inches of snow on the ground and continued snowing. And he said, who wants to grill in weather like this? That's exactly true. It's just been a little disappointing to see this weather hang on, but that's what we have. Well, of course, the market's coming up, lots of things happening um, with reports in the next couple of weeks. Best way, Sue, for folks who want to sit down, talk to you about some marketing strategies, make sure that they're a little bit more comfortable heading into spring planting. What's the best way to do it? Well, our number is 1-800-527-0051. And you all have a great day. Sue Martin joining us with Ag and Investment out of Webster City, Iowa. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.